Hey everybody, I want to take a second to tell you about Snagit 2022. I don't have time to go into all the details about Snagit 2022, but it has a variety of options for fast and easy to use video creation. It's got new ways to work across devices and platforms with the new cloud library. And your purchase or upgrade includes your first year of maintenance and the newly updated Snagit certification course. With 20 plus videos of Snagit how-tos, certification is a great way to help you speed up your workflows, unlock potential, and get your work done faster. So check out Snagit 2022 today at snagit.com. And now, back to the podcast. Hey everybody, my name is Matt Pierce. I'm the Learning and Video Ambassador for TechSmith, and I am so glad you're here with us today. Whether you're watching the live stream or listening to the podcast, we're grateful that you're here. We've got a, another great episode. I always say that, but it's true because we've got so many good pieces of information we're gonna be sharing with you today. Uh, we're gonna be talking about providing help in context and some micro learning things that go along with that and these strategies to help you really help your customers, to help your learners, to help your audience be more successful. So we're gonna we're gonna dive into that today. So let me introduce our guest. Uh, Asif Rahmani is the founder and CEO of Visual SP, which provides an interactive guidance system to support end users in context of their own environment. This system is currently available to over 2 million end users around the world to help them get their jobs done. Asif is very focused on digital adoption and digital transformation of organizations. Simply stated how to get the best out of the technologies in your organization and help your employees get the best experience along the way. Asif has been training, consulting, and mentoring on Microsoft technologies since 2002. He has authored several books over the years for Wiley Publications. He's also been a speaker at, the, at conferences since 2006 on numerous topics. He resides in the U.S., but has performed speaking engagements in several places around the world, such as Germany, Netherlands, New Zealand, UK, Sweden, Ireland, Canada, and more. Asif has been a Microsoft MVP since 2007. And all that to say, he's got a lot of knowledge, a lot of experience and more. So we want to welcome Asif to the Visual Lounge. Hey, Asif, welcome. Thank you, Matt. Great to be here. Appreciate the introduction. Very humbling. Thank you. Yeah, no, it's it's awesome. I, I love I love going through people's bios because it's so impressive. <laughs> like I think about all the things that I've done and it's, and it's like a little bit that I'm, I read these bios. I'm like, oh my gosh. Wow, that's uh, whoa! Wow, he's, he's been in all those places. He's done all these things, and and I know. And uh, uh, just for those that don't know, any uh, Microsoft MVP—that's not a small little uh, thing that you just get, right? That's a, that's a lot of work and a lot of effort. So you know, kudos to you for all those things. Thank but you. now we've said a lot, though. But what else would you want our audience to know about you as we get started into our conversation today? Sure. Um, so as you already mentioned, I, I run a company. I'm a CEO of Visual SP. Uh, at the heart of the company and at my own heart, honestly, I, we find fulfillment in helping our customers. So having said that, uh, teaching, helping, mentoring, and in our case, we are very, very focused on employees of organizations, mid-sized to large ones usually, especially in the times that we live in currently where so many people are working remotely, how do you enable and empower and support uh, your users effectively? And that's what we focus on. So I yeah, think no, this, this is uh, great for, for us to talk over here because that's exactly what we're focusing on here as well. 
Absolutely. That's what we're all about. We want to help our, our users and anyone out there just to get better at these things. And so we're going to talk a little bit about, we, we, we labeled in kind of the name of the episode before we go. And it's, you know, those are always a little bit like, well, we know we're going to talk generally in these things, but we want to talk today about uh, providing some help in context. And I, I think we need to probably step back a little bit and, and talk about yeah. what that means, because I think I know what it means. I have my own ideas. I'm sure you have your ideas and our listeners may have ideas, but Asa, for you, what does it mean to provide help in context? Yeah, actually, I would like to take a step back even further, if you don't mind, and talk yeah. about context uh, on it by itself. Um, I look at context as being in the moment. And uh, forget about technology for a second. Forget about learning, training. Uh, think about any kind of context. So, for example, how about this one? Uh, I, I don't know about you, but I have a, lots of weights and, and all at my, at my home. Uh, so I can do any kind of workout, you know, weight workout, but I'm just not motivated enough until I go to the gym. I'm in context and there I'm motivated. I have nothing else to do. I just have my phone with me and myself and I see all these people working out. Well, not these days as much anymore, but used to be, uh, and, and I'm in that mode, right? And that provides the context that I need, the motivation I need to do what I want. Uh, there's other things like that also where if, if you're outside, you feel better because you're in that context, you're, you're in the outdoor context, you do outdoor things. And there's so many situations like this where the context matters. Another one that comes to mind, when I used to go to conferences <laughs> back in the day, presenting over there, I still present online, but it's just not the same feeling as presenting at the conference, being with the people, networking, talking to humans face to face. Uh, so in my opinion, context matters a lot. Taking the same concept of context to learning, bringing that here, think about this. What type of learning are we doing these days? Well, all sorts of learning and not to knock any type of learning. I think all that stuff is necessary, but when you dive deep into something and you're learning about a specific concept, wonderful. Will you remember that concept when you actually need it? Will you remember the specifics of what you need to do when you need it? Or when you're in context of doing the actual work, Within that context, will you help the help? Will you have the training? Will you have the support needed to do your job? And in a nutshell, I, I don't know if I did a great job explaining this or not, that that's why context help or contextual help is what I call it. It's so important. Yeah, I, I love that. And I know from my world as an instructional designer, trainer, we had another kind of name for this. It's a, that just in time, right? You're yes. just in time learning, just in time training. But I love what you said about like the the things that I'm doing in context, right? The, with the weights. Uh, yeah, right. Like we've got so many different things here. I, I, I could go and I can lift a weight. I can go walk and I can, but like the context has to be right for me to feel like I can do that. So I love that mm -hmm. analogy. Um, and that, hap that happens all the time in business. Business, right? Like people are in a context or in a situation and they, they, they need to learn. So from, from your perspective, okay, we've, we've defined kind of what that means. What are some of the ways that you found to, to really be able to help people be successful? Because it feels like, you know, content, we're doing a lot of context switching all the time and oh, yeah. it's, you know, and it's, then it's where do I find the answer to my question? How do I do, you know, like there's lots of things that I think are barriers, we'll say, to, to helping people successful. So, Asif, what, what do you think? What's the best way to go about starting to do this for our, our learners, audience, customers, whatever it might be? 
Yeah, there's actually studies that have been done on the whole context switching and how much does that cost in terms of time and also the employers, how much money is it costing them? And uh, context switching and learning or in, in knowing how to do a job, certain task to me is I am doing something. Uh, for example, I, I want to uh, find out how to submit my leave of absence because I'm going to be absent next week. Now, I don't have not used this system in a long time because I've not just not had to take an absence. Now I actually have to go looking for that information on my intranet, my digital workspace, or maybe if it's a SaaS application that has information on the web, I go looking over there on Google, on Bing, whatever it is, I have to switch my context from where I am to the information where I'm searching. I hopefully will find it. And then I have to come back to continue what I was doing. Same thing with any kind of deep learning or whatever else that you're doing. When you're in context in the moment, it takes you time to get to that zone. And when you get out of context, uh, I think the number that I, if I remember correctly, was like 20 minutes altogether of uh, in cost that it takes for you to get out of context and get back into context. That's a long time. So in my opinion, uh, if you are looking at something or in person at somewhere, if you need help, the help should be available within that interface. If it's the computer, uh, maybe inline help icon, or maybe some kind of uh, visual tip or something like that. If you're actually in person somewhere where you're looking at something and wondering, how do I use this? That help, that information, whatever you need to support, that should be attached to that physical object instead of you having to go find it. Uh, and that, I believe, is uh, the main point behind the whole, you know, uh, mitigating the context of switching. Right. So now that it sounds like like a great idea, right? Have you have a button there that can just get the answers. And I, I, I know that's what you do. Um, but I'm guessing a lot of a lot of people out there, they're they're looking at the tools that they're using and they're saying, well, I don't I don't have good ways to do that. I'm not even sure what I would put there. So could you walk us through let's let's kind of step back. Let's say I'm coming to you and I'm saying yeah. I've got a, a program and I, I want to I want to do what you're saying because I think that makes beautiful sense, right? Like I can give you help sure. right at the point of need. I can help, I don't know, I've got, let's say 10,000 learners, 10,000 users, and I don't want them calling support as much. I don't want them asking you know, me for, for help in all my email. Um, so how do, I, how do I go about deciding what to prioritize and even starting to think about how you might do something like this? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, first, you have to be bought into the concept. And if you're not, many times there's a pain of something that you already experienced in the, in the past that you know, hey, you know what, I need this or my company needs this, my employees need this. And usually it is that which I hear on a regular basis that I have provided so much help and training and everything else to my people, but it's sitting on an LMS or it's in a training knowledge hub or somewhere that they have to go look and they don't go, they don't even know it exists. It is more of a destination thing. So that's number one, they're looking for a better context. Number two, the type of training. Uh, the things at an LMS or a Knowledge Hub, you're gonna have long form content, which is very much necessary, by the way, when you wanna do in-depth analysis or deep thinking or deep learning on something. However, if I have come to the conclusion for my employees that I need to give them micro learning uh, when they need it, quick snapshots or, or information, and I just need that quick thing to be there so they can move on and do their work, not have to think about it. So once again, context I want, micro learning I want. So once either the customer has already come to that conclusion or we talk to our customer and bring them to the conclusion <laughs> with uh, scientific evidence, 
Once that is said, then we talk about, all right, how are we going to make this happen? Usually now we, of course, are focused on the computer applications, specifically web applications in our case. We look at a web application and say, all right, what do you have? Is it a, <clears throat> I mean, it could be SAP, it could be Salesforce, it could be uh, Microsoft 365, it could be SharePoint, it could be any application that you're using. And where do you want to provide that particular help? Is it a place where people are managing documents? Is there a specific workflow that you want them to manage? Or is it a very complex form where you want to provide them help? So identifying exactly where is it that the complexity exists and then thinking about, let's simplify that. Now, the good, better, best scenario here would be uh, the good one. You know what? I have some maybe printed out information that I give to my people and they just have it on their desk. And they know that when they come to the screen, look at the information on my desk, follow along, you're good, like a tip sheet printed out. A better one, in our opinion, is where you are inserting some information directly as text or some kind of image directly in the application. So it's available as a tip uh, when you hover over it, right? A best one is an overlay, overlay on top of the application itself. So now, even beyond that, uh, what I'm looking for, maybe I can watch a quick video or maybe see an annotated screenshot or a tip sheet or something else, which is what we do as a company, that how do I provide an overlay like that on top of any web application that's always available to me, to my users, and it's out of the way when I don't need it. So it's sitting there. If I need it, help. All right, help comes. It's like the IT guy, the IT gal running. All right, how can I help you? And then the help appears. Yeah. So uh, before we get too far down the kind of the, the the implementation piece, can we step back for a second? Because you you talked about micro learning, and and I just yeah. want to make sure we're level setting because I some of our folks listening and watching might not that might be a very familiar term or it might be something completely new to them. Um, so when you're talking about micro learning, it's I think there's some things in the context of the name, right? It's micro and yeah. it's learning. So in, in but. But is it more than, than just meaning short learning? Like for you, when you talk about like micro learning, what do you mean? Yeah, well, I think it also serves to our audience to talk about both macro learning and micro learning. Right. Macro learning, me going to a class, learning something or diving into a course and learning something. And then I'm kind of away from my work environment or my, you know, any play environment or whatever. I'm deep learning and then coming back. That's macro a course or something like that. Micro learning is where I just need, let's let's make it very, very specific. Um, things break in my house all the time. I don't know about you, but it, they, they do. And sometimes I call a handyman if it's a big job, but if it's something small like drywall fixing and things like that, I watch a YouTube video, you know, and YouTube video tells me exactly step-by-step step how to fix something or help with something that I need. And I'm done in a couple of minutes. So that is an example of micro learning. Uh, similarly, uh, when I'm, okay, how about this one? Uh, when I get a new piece of equipment or a new game for my kids or something like that, there's a quick cart that comes with it, right? Like, uh, all right, here's a quick start. And there might be a manual also, but no one's gonna look at a manual these days. Give me the five steps to quickly start having fun with this game is what my kids are gonna say. Uh, so that's micro learning as well. Uh, if anything similar to that, where it's helping me be productive right away, you know, move on because people don't have time. We're we're, we live in the days of, uh, you know, Snapchat and Twitter and everything else. And everywhere you look at, everything is micro format. And that's what we're talking about in micro learning as well. That's we have to bring those formats within the company so people can take the same experiences outside, have it here and move on. 
Yeah, no, I, I I love that, and I love the way you described it, and th- those examples that are so relevant that we see. But I, I you know, we forget sometimes. We, uh, I know because I I work in the world of learning and development. Oftentimes, the answer is a course. It's like, oh well, we're yeah. gonna have to do a course. We're gonna have to train everybody on that, and now it's gonna take us an hour per person, and and that's just and that's an expensive cost. And um, I will say, from my perspective, micro learning, the actual size of it is. It's like an accordion. Like if you can make it this small, you make it really small. But if it it needs to be five minutes, seven minutes or whatever to to do the job, it can really can still be micro comparatively, right? Like, you know, uh, I don't know how long, like I'm thinking about the the Mars rover they just launched. I'm sure they've got lots of great yeah. training on it. And, and micro learning might be really complex to, to launch a rocket into space to send it to Mars. So I th- thank you for that context because I think that it's helpful. Well, let's, one of the things I want to make sure we're talking about is um, in this process, we're here at the Visual Lounge based in our name. We're all about images and videos. So how do images and videos play with this type of system that you're talking about where, you know, you mentioned maybe there's an icon or maybe it's a link or something there that people can open up and access kind of this information. It, does that, is that important or is it really primarily strong as just text? And that's the thing that I I feel as a trainer myself for many, many years right now that everything has its place. Some information, you want it to be completely text and no images at all, uh, while other information, images are necessary. Uh, And then go beyond that, in my opinion, is something between video and image, and that's an animated image or something of that sort where there's no video. Uh, There's still, I mean, there's an actual kind of video component where there's moving images, right? but there's no audio associated with that. And then there's video. Now, as far as video is concerned, in my opinion, usually approximately two minutes for a quick thing is best in terms of length, but, but that's the progression I take. Text, image, annotated, annotated, excuse me, annotated uh, screenshots or animated images like that, and then you got video. And then of course you have to think about the delivery of that as well, how do you deliver it contextually, but, but that's the way I go. Uh, and I have examples of that too. I was thinking about that earlier as to think about if I want to uh, give information about many different acronyms or some recommendations, uh, like file naming recommendations that, that I want people to follow when they're in a particular system, that I need a lot of text to be able to do that. And if I start doing that in images, that's gonna be very difficult to do that. If I do that in video, they won't remember it. I need something that's visual, but it's in text so they can use that right away. So that's a textual document. Now, images, uh, in my opinion, it could be very relevant when you're introducing someone to maybe a new interface on their screen, saying, all right, when you come here next time uh, to this interface, here's what you're gonna see. And then you have annotations pointing to different components of uh, of the image saying that here's what this is, here's what that is, et cetera. Moving beyond that, uh, the animated image, and I actually have examples I can show also later. Uh, when you, when you want to show some kind of uh, movement that's relevant so they understand how I move this thing, but it's just very simple movement, doesn't require a video, image won't do it justice, so then you use an animated image, which uh, I use Snagit all the time to make these kind of things look wonderful, very, very quick. And then you have, lastly, video, right? Uh, video component, extremely, extremely necessary. In fact, there's some crazy number like uh, 500 million hours of videos are watched on YouTube every day or some, something like that. That's, that's a crazy amount of video, but I, can, I see it. I see the reasoning. I mean, I go to YouTube all the time also. There's so much good content that you can consume so quickly. So video definitely has its place. 
when I want to show something a little bit more in depth. Well, I, I love how you've broken this down, right? You've thought about the, these pieces and the role that they play. And I think that's, that's, I mean, that's just great advice for any kind of learning situation. But I love that you've thought about it because I do, I like, there are things I just want text. I just want to skim the steps. I don't want to, I don't want to get, have anything in my way. I don't want to watch a, a video, but then again, there's times when I'm not familiar. I don't know where to find the button, the, yeah. the, the label, the thing that they've asked me to do. And then what you said about, uh, you know, animated images or, you know, uh, GIFs. We love, we love GIFs uh, or GIFs, depending on what side of that, that fence you sit on. Um, but they're just so useful. And, you know, they, they work in so many places that video might not work. Um, I, you know, I, I had a, a good friend. He, he talked about this and he said, you know, I, he's like, he, and he was all about video, but he's like, I work with people and they are in like branches of these places where internet's not good and they just can't watch video. They, it doesn't work yeah. for them. And so what good is a video is if it can never get it to play. And I, I, that's has stuck with me. So I, I, I really resonate with those four levels. As we continue on, I, I, I do think it would be wonderful if we could see some of your examples, Asif, because I think, sure, you know, it's one thing to talk about this. It's another thing once you see it in in context, if you will. Hey, there right? you go. <laughs> <laughs> Nicely played. <laughs> there we go. So we are seeing your screen. So yeah. what, what are we look? What are we going to see? Sure. Uh, what I wanted to do was show something that's going to resonate with more, hopefully, most people. Uh, if you're managing your documents online, you're usually using Dropbox or OneDrive, usually, or, or Google Drive. So what I'm showing over here is OneDrive. Uh, the interface of OneDrive, when you look at it for the first time, it could be overwhelming. You know, it could be where, what am I looking at? What is all this stuff on the left navigation? What are the buttons on the top? What does the gear do on the top right? And <laughs> uh, especially for users who are coming in for the first time, uh, they need to be kind of walked through as to what is it that I'm supposed to do here. So imagine in this case, I want to provide a contextual <clears throat> screenshot, okay? A contextual screenshot over here of what they're looking at. Uh, now I'm gonna actually click on a tab that I'm seeing on the bottom right over here that brings up the Visual SP application. And in here, I have the OneDrive quick reference. Now let's say if I take a link there's an icon here, the link icon. I'm going to click on the link icon. If I've sent a link to the, uh, the, the screenshot of OneDrive, sent it to somebody, they come to the OneDrive interface, automatically the OneDrive quick reference image comes up with the annotation showing me, here's exactly what you should be seeing on OneDrive. Here's where you can preview the file. Here's where you see the image, uh, the settings on top the top link bar and, and the waffle, which you can use in Microsoft 365 to go to different applications. And if I'm a user, I, I get something like this, I'm either gonna print it out or I'm gonna pop it out and I'm gonna have it in a different place over here. So I have that uh, as a reference when I'm doing things. And that's where an annotated image or an image in this case uh, would really help users to understand what they can do. Yeah, so if, if, I, if I can interrupt for just a second, uh, just add some commentary here. I mean, this is this is awesome because uh, having this job aid, right? Like if you're not familiar with this, having this quick job aid is something that people use all, they do this all the time for themselves. And uh, and for anyone listening, we actually have a course about making these types of things in the TechSmith Academy about yes. job aids. And so I think this is a great mesh of those things. And, and I love I love your example here because it does become instantly clear and you even used a term that I don't, I, I don't know that I knew, maybe I did, but you said waffle. And I'm like, 
what's the waffle, <laughs> right? But I, I, I knew where kind of where to look because looks there's like only one thing that yeah. looks like a waffle in the upper left hand. It's the grid of where you can find your open Office 365 apps. But yeah, if someone doesn't know that, you know, exactly, you, you can. It's easy to get lost. Yeah. Now in this particular screenshot that I'm showing, we, we don't put the word waffle in there, but yeah, but it could be pretty easily changed, and you put that in there. That's what you want people to you know think of it as. Uh, but yeah, these are the kind of things which you're, you're not going to intuitively get unless someone tells you and hopefully shows you like we're showing here. Um, Absolutely. All right, moving onwards. So once again, I'm still in OneDrive right now. I'm showing a bunch of documents here. Now, think about documents. <laughs> no matter who you are, chances are pretty high you're managing some type of document. And if you have not named your document properly, the chances are very, very high that you will not know how to look for it, navigate or search. And others, if you're trying to tell that somebody else, hey, go look for it, they won't know how to either. So one of the things that's very important for most employers is I need some file naming recommendations to be available to my people. So I'm going to show you an example of that in here. There is a file. Actually, I'm going to start just typing it in. So file, here we go, file naming recommendations. Click on that. Now, what you're seeing on your screen is a document. It just starts out saying file naming recommendations, and it has many different guidelines as to what special characters not to use in a, in a file. Right. Uh, how do you separate words with uh, underscores if you, know, if you need to and other things like that? Would you know this thing intuitively? Chances are no. And even a seasoned professional like myself also would need to be reminded, like, oh, what am I supposed to you know, do if I have this special instance? Well, here's the guideline. And this kind of thing works really, really well in text format. But here, pictures really won't do it justice. Having a file naming recommendations document does wonders. Right? Yeah, so that's I love, exactly. I love this, what this idea of what we call it in the instructional design scaffolding, right? You're, you're saying here ah. is a piece of support. I'm going to support you. And at some point, I might not need this. I'm, if I'm working at the organization five, 10 years, and exactly. this never changes, I probably get it eventually. You know, what, what, what symbols can I use or not use? Do I use underscores or dashes? However, until I get to that point, this is something like this is, and it's so simple, right? And even in that, this is mostly text. I love that the symbols are all listed there. I don't, I'm not questioning. It's just, I can quick glance at it like, oh, why can't I do this? Oh, I can't use an asterisk or whatever it might be. Exactly. And I got to tell you, Matt, that uh, even if you are a seasoned professional, but you've not used something, obviously this is simple file naming, but if it's some other system that you need help with, you've not used it in a year, you will forget. And at that point in time, it's best to have a refresher available to you in context whenever you need it. That's the idea. Yeah, this is great. Right, so, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and close this one. I closed uh, the, the document here. So we talked about <clears throat> a regular text document. We talked about... Uh, an image, an annotated image. Now a third thing. So looking at the OneDrive interface, there is one thing over here where uh, you can actually change the width of a column very easily just by dragging it like that. Now let's say if this was the current default interface that I'm looking at over here. So what I'm looking at is cutoff names of documents that I have to hover over to find what they are. A very simple fix, obviously, as a user, I, I can just make this wider, making a column wider. But how do I know about this thing? These columns over here, they're not visible. So how do I know to uh, hover over that and do that? Well, that's where uh, video might be an overkill. Text won't do it justice. Image, you can't really have it do justice either. So that's where the animated image comes into play. 
And I'll show you an example within, once again, the Visual Space system here, an adjust column with uh, help item, a training item or whatever, it's just basically contextual help item over here, that if I click on this or if I have this available as a user, now what it's showing me in this, uh, in this animated image is how easily I can change the column width as a user. It's a very short animated image, you know, 10 seconds or so, but it, it just does the job, tells me exactly what I can do. Yeah, and I, I love that you paired it with, particularly with movement, right? Because that's what like yeah. animated GIFs and videos are good at, is they're good at showing movement that might otherwise, you know, you could describe this, but how much more difficult and how many words would it take <laughs> you to describe? Move your mouse over between this point and this point. Like, how do you describe that? Move it to the blank space between these two columns. <laughs> what does that mean? So, yeah, I love this. Yeah, so, you know, an animated image like this, our team uses Snagit a lot to make these kind of things, and it takes seconds to make that. But creating it, maintaining it, as opposed to, for example, a full-fledged video, this is perfect to do something like that. A little bit more than an image, but less than in a video uh, for you to keep something like that updated all the time. And it does the job. Very we'll cool. move on to the, yeah. uh, the fourth thing over here, and that's the videos, right? I have a bunch of videos you actually choose from. I'll choose something really basic, like uh, there's a video here that I'm looking at hovering over. It's called OneDrive Basics. And once again, imagine a user <clears throat> comes in for the first time in OneDrive. Uh, let me actually take a contextual link to this also. I'll just click on the link icon here. And you've, uh, actually one more thing. Sorry, let me go back here. Okay, so I got the contextual link. I've sent the link to that contextual help item to a user, they click on it in an email or whatever, and automatically they come to their own OneDrive, not a generic one, but their own OneDrive in this case, and nice. the screen comes up showing them the video. They can watch it, in this case, uh, one minute, 26 seconds is the length of the video. I can maximize this as user, put a full screen. Uh, I have information at in, in the bottom showing me how, once I've watched the video, how I can try it on myself. Uh, but the video itself, which is the focal point here, gives me an exact information of what I can do. Let me turn the music off here. Here we go. <laughs> and, and, you know, sometimes you need that, right? So in this case, it's giving me a tour of OneDrive, all different features of it and everything else. And it, this, I would appreciate that to have a quick tour. And video does justice for something like that. No, this looks this looks awesome, and and I love that that you're being able to do this and build this into the systems here, and it makes so much sense. Especially, you know, we think about we. It's easy if you're working in tech. It's easy to assume people know these things, right? They know the, the waffle menu. They know how, that they can drag between columns. So I love that this is easily able to provide that that kind of information. So I'm looking at this system and I think, wow, this is really cool. This is really great. And, and I'm guessing some other people are looking at it. And obviously we can go to Visual SP and work with, with you and getting this. But do you think the, there's room for some of these concepts? It, like, let's say I've got, you know, we've got the TechSmith Academy. It's just a, it's mm -hmm. just a website. Is, is this a concept that's good in a lot of places? Or is it really just kind of some of these like bigger software tools that we should be thinking about doing this. And, and obviously it'd be great if everyone could use Visual SP, but some organizations are not gonna have the option. Should they try to, you know, put other things into their systems to provide this type of help? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, what we're doing is an overlay. Obviously ours is a pre-built system, but if someone wants to build it, that's not that difficult. Uh, well, of course it, it takes time and money to do that, but you can do it with enough motivation on any system. Uh, having an overlay 
directly on top of your system. It doesn't have to be a SaaS application like Microsoft 365. It could be a custom application. Uh, and it's all doable for sure, for sure. And, it's, and it has proven to uh, go a long way helping your employees. And once again, as I was saying in the beginning of our program here, that remote employees especially, it, it helps quite a bit. Uh, imagine you're just separated from your coworkers, you're sitting in your own environment on your laptop and you have a question and you can't ask someone. It isn't awesome to just have some system right there that can help you. So that's the beauty of the whole thing. And yes, absolutely, you can do it yourself. You can do it Visual SP or other methods as well. Yeah, I, I know when uh, last year, you know, not too long from now, a year ago, when we all kind of went dispersed and went home and it's like, oh, well, I can't, you know, I, I, I think I found myself turning and looking like, oh, I can't ask anyone this exactly. question. Like I can go into Teams or Slack or whatever, but but not, not the same as just being able to turn and ask somebody. But I love, so I love this. Um, you ready for a couple questions from, the, from our audience? Sure. All right. The Let's first one um, is how do you figure out what people need to know and what needs uh, a job aid or an overlay? So let's let's take the first part of that. How do you, so you're looking at your system and obviously there's yeah. lots there. Like one, even your example one note, there's so many things you could cover. Maybe unrealistic to cover something, make something for everything. So how, how yeah. are you going about and identifying those ne um, initial needs? Yeah, I could tell you a whole story about how to do it the wrong way. <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah. you know what? Maybe I will tell the story. It's, it's going to be very short. I won't take too long over here. There, there is a university in Michigan, so not too far from – I'm in Chicago. And I'm in Michigan, so to, hey. <laughs> that's right. There you go. So Michigan, uh, your state university. <laughs> I can't remember the exact one. Maybe it was the Michigan University. This actually happened when they switched their intranet back in the day. They provided uh, a lot of content on that intranet. There was one thing that they forgot to provide. And uh, once again, they were doing this because they, they, they had not done any research. They were just putting all the stuff that they thought was necessary. And that one thing that they forgot, everybody was looking for. It doesn't matter if it's student, faculty, whatever, everybody's looking for. You want to guess what that was, Matt? Uh, probably like login or something like that. You would think it's something like login or something like a systems information or faculty reviews or class information. But it wasn't. It was something that everybody cared about, everybody. And that was the cafeteria menu. <laughs> it was cafeteria menu. And they didn't put that in there. Now, the reason they didn't put it in there is because they didn't think about that as an important piece of information. It was there in the previous intranet, did not make it to the current intranet. Uh, so the reason I recall the story is because you definitely need to know what is needed by your audience, not what you think they need, what they really need. Will you know on day one exactly what they need? Well, yes, maybe, uh, hopefully, sometimes no. Uh, the best way to understand when you're rolling out a new system altogether is look at the behavior, look at their search patterns, look at uh, what they're doing, not what they're telling you. If you look at the behavior and the search patterns and their movement of the mouse and everything else, if there's, there are many systems that let you do that, you can find out a lot. And within a month or even less, sometimes you can put in all the information that they did not have, that you didn't think about. And same thing iteratively, the next month you put more information in. Uh, we've done that quite a lot, actually. We've done a lot of research on this as well, that understanding user behavior, understanding their patterns of search and navigation, everything else, and then giving them what they need is so much more important than you having a committee of people and trying to decide of what should be important. It's very much about what people your people want instead of what you want. 
Yeah, well, I love that. Watch what they do and not what they say. That's uh, that's yeah. so so true. And and uh, and I love that our uh, Jesse, who's moderating in chat, she just put food is very important, which <laughs> which it, that makes total sense when I hear that story. Yeah. Like, of course, there people want to know what that is. That's a vital part of their day. Probably they maybe they plan on what, which cafeteria they go to based on yeah. the, the menu. So I love that. So okay, so that's the first part of the question. The second part of the question was. You showed us a really cool overlay and, uh, mm -hmm. you know, then you, like kind of a job aid, um, yeah. you know, th those might, it, you know, we could look at maybe a job aid as something that you print off or you hand out it versus something here. Do you, you know, you talked about the differences between when you use the animated GIFs and videos. What about from an image standpoint? What kind of guidelines would you say are, are valuable to help someone to make those decisions about here's what I'm going to put in this context. Maybe it's text versus image or what else would you say about that? Well, you want to make it as simple as possible. Number one, uh, the image that I showed, it was an annotated image of, in this case, an interface, which is uh, fairly complex. I don't want to use the word cluttered, but it is pretty complex. There's a lot going on in that. Uh, you decide to go from text to images when you have reached the boundary of text where you cannot really paint a picture in someone's mind, right? So that's the logical next step. Now, for me as a trainer, and honestly, forget about me as a trainer, but anybody, we all, our mind thinks in pictures. That's, that's a fact. Everybody thinks in pictures. So if you show something, somebody an image, as a baseline, chances are pretty high that they're going to understand it pretty quickly. Uh, aside from technical stuff like I showed over here, think about images that convey emotions. Mm -hmm. You know, you're showing uh, some kind of a situation out in a third world country or somewhere where there's a war going on and you show an actual person running away from some situation. Just that image by itself can contain so much emotion and so much information uh, that you can that you can gather and without saying a word. So you you in my opinion you definitely want to look at images as a very powerful tool, whether it's a photograph or a screenshot or something a combination to start with. Uh, once again, goes without saying that sometimes you need text, obviously as well. But my baseline usually is images if I can, and otherwise below that or above that. No, awesome. So we got another question that came in and is and. Uh, it's how many times do you have to do a contextual micro learning into a yeah. habit? So I'm guessing they're asking how long, like, let's say I have access to your tool or another tool that I can do that. I can sure. access as a user, I'm accessing that. Is there kind of a set guideline? Like if I do that, if I look at that five times, 10 times, does it become a habit or is that kind of besides the point that we don't really need it to be a habit because I've got the support right there? I, I, the latter part of it, what you said, Matt, I, I think it's not about the habit. It's, the habit should be that I am taken care of. As a person, I'm taken care of. So when I need help, I don't have to have that anxiety that, okay, well, wow, now I have to go ask somebody or call someone or look for someone. It's when I need help, I have it. Other times, I don't care. Let me just do my job. Uh, what I've shown, of course, was clicking on this tab over here on the bottom right. But other things we've not even talked about over here is you could have it in a form of a walkthrough that just step-by-step -step guides you through something or an inline help a small icon or something that's sitting there in, in an interface. Uh, once again, giving the visual clues that are available to me as I need it, just in time, but not when I don't need it, I'm gonna ignore it. And that's perfectly fine. Awesome. Uh, let me just check questions here. Another one that came in and uh, 
We'll see if, if you want to answer this one or not. What does uh, Asif use to for video production, and what's the pros and cons? So this is uh, a user over on, <laughs> on YouTube. I'm, did, we did not plant this question, I promise. <laughs> so <clears throat> I am not affiliated with TechSmith, as Matt will tell you. I'm affiliated with Visual SP, obviously. Having said that, for the last 15, maybe even 20 years, I'm trying to remember exactly when I started this thing, uh, I, I've been a lover. Uh, I love using Camtasia, Snagit, uh, you know, and I use Jing for uh, uh, some period as well, which has, I believe, changed now into Capture, is it? I think that's what it's called. Yep. Uh, but these tools, for me, they're like right in that perfect space that, that I... <laughs> that I play in, which is not super, super formal and complex and stuff like that, which I don't want to get into and not too, too basic. Perfect for me. Uh, and all the people that I've taught over the years, anytime I get a chance, I drop in the words of use snack or use Camtasia <laughs> to do your job. Well, we appreciate that. And we, you know, we love it when our guests are willing to say that kind of stuff, but we don't ask them to. In fact, usually I tell the start one of our conversations with, we're not here to talk about TechSmith products. Yeah. We're here to talk about you and your stuff. So, but thank you for that, because I do think, you know, to your point, we'll put the tools, specific tools aside. It feels like everything you're talking about, I mean, from that just in time for the, the end user, but also for as a creator, right? Like you don't want, I don't want to be spending days or weeks or months to have to create content to support some of these features and some of these actions. I mean, yeah. I guess, I suppose if it really needs it, it would be worth it. But like you showed us four examples, but yeah, it looked like in that the tab that you brought up, how many yeah. thing pieces of information were you able to provide? And I'm guessing if you know if you're spending two, four, eight days making a video, you're you're providing less help overall. Yes, absolutely. Uh, you do want to minimize the investment of time and maximize the impact. Uh, is my motto, and that's what I preach all the time internally to our own company folks and externally as well. Things are moving and changing too quickly. I'll, another example comes to mind over here, Matt, if you don't mind me sharing. Please. Uh, I do conferences, or at least I used to, in-person conferences all the time. I, I spoke at them. I love looking at someone's uh, into someone's eyes and be able to see that light bulb go off when I'm explaining some concept. And I remember in Netherlands, I was at a conference. Netherlands, obviously, is on the other side of the world and different time zone. And I was make at night over there. I was making a demo <clears throat> for the next day, all right? I made the demo, it was a quick video and quick with all that stuff. The next day when I was presenting, which was already night over here in the United States, <laughs> it had changed. The information had changed, the interface had changed and my demo didn't work. I'm like, what just happened? <laughs> it, it turned out that this SaaS application that I was using underlying to make this stuff, it was, it was on my Microsoft and that interface within that application had changed overnight because Seattle and Microsoft, they deployed a different build. It really, really uh, made me upset at that time. But, you know, I understood at, at that moment that, you know what, I can't control that. Nobody can control that. And you just have to get used to these kind of movements and changes all the time. So once again, how do I minimize the time of investment that I have to do to make something and maximize the, uh, you know, the, the effect and still understand that there is always that risk that exists that's always going to be there? What we put in uh, within our system, there's a bunch of information, obviously, in terms of text and images and annotated images and uh, videos and, and walkthroughs, which I've not even shown, actually, walkthrough functionality of how you can 
do things. But we always keep this in mind as to we have to keep it curated, updated for the users. They shouldn't have to worry about, oh, well, what if Microsoft changes something? Or don't worry about it. We got it covered. We keep it all updated for your users. So it's always up to date. That's hard to do for most companies. And that's the reason we exist in the first place. Uh, our customers, for example, they make their own content as well. But that's about maybe 5% of content that they're making. 95% of the content that we're making, we're curating, we're keeping everything updated. Because it's hard. It's especially these days in the SaaS world that we live in, everywhere for every application, it's hard. Yeah, information is changing all the time. And that's, you know, it all makes time. so much sense that, if, you know, if you can't invest too much or else you're going to have that sunk, the huge sunk cost of like, oh my gosh, I've put so much money into this time, effort, and it just changed like that. That's, exactly. And that can be frustrating. And not only, I'm, I'm assuming not only to you as a creator, but also your end user, because they don't want to be lost either if they're relying on that, that system. So. Great, great information. Oh, so many good stories. I, thank you so much, Asif, for joining us today. Before we we wrap up, you know, like you say, didn't we, unfortunately, we didn't get a chance to get to the In Context demo, but if people want to learn more about Visual SP, more about you, they want to connect with you, where should they go and how can they, they find you? Well, <clears throat> these days, you can't find me in person in many places, so online. <laughs> And otherwise, I would, I would love to see you at conference also someday, uh, all of you who are out there. Uh, but the best way to start is visualsp.com. So that's V-I-S-U-A-L-S-P.com, visualsp. Uh, myself, you can find me on Twitter. Uh, if you have my name, which you can see on the screen, hopefully, uh, just, just at Asif Ramani. I was lucky enough to get my whole name. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn as well, Asif Ramani. Just put my name in there, connect with me. I love connecting with people. Right now, we can't do it in person, so we've been doing it. I've been doing it also uh, online. Uh, let me know if you have any questions, if, if I can help with anything. Uh, the world that we live in right now does require, I think, that assistance and help is given more freely to everybody, and, and I love doing that. It fulfills me, honestly. So please connect with me, and looking forward to talking with you. All right. Well, thank you again uh, for, for being on here, showing some great examples and providing your uh, just some amazing wisdom. I, I hope everyone listening has taken some notes. And if they did miss part of it, they go back and watch because I, I know I got a couple ideas for things that I want to do in terms of that in-context help. And uh, well, so thank you again for joining us today. We always appreciate our guests and uh, we hope you have a, a great day, Asif. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Matt. You bet. All right, everybody. Great information about In Context Help. We hope that you go out and check it out, um, both Visual SP, but also just think about how you can use your images, videos better to provide this kind of help. I mean, just real quick story. I remember uh, uh, one of our people at TechSmith once telling me that they were working in a financial area and they're telling me that they do this thing once a quarter and they couldn't remember how to do it all the time because like once a quarter is not really that often and they made themselves a video for themselves to go back and help themselves with that particular process because it was pretty complicated and that way they could just watch the video really quickly, remember what to do and then save themselves a lot of time trying to figure out, oh, what step do I take? So thanks everybody for tuning in. We hope wherever you are that you take some time to look at your skills. Are you making good images, good videos and figure out how you can level those up every single day. We'll see you next time.